From the Scotiabank Saddledome, it's Pat Steinberg and Aaron Vickers along with you. Vickers from Daily Hive. We're available on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcast. Text line is bumping right now. We're uh, hoping to hear from new Calgary Flames forward Nick Ritchie very, very shortly. And uh, we will uh, hear from him and get his thoughts on being traded for his brother, Brett, which is one of the oddest things that I think that we've ever um had a chance to cover when it comes to Flames. Uh, Flames Talk and the NHL. Flames Talk is available on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's been a uh, it's been a day. It's been a deadline day. This is like, I don't know, we've done a bunch of these. It's like 17 or 18 deadline days for me that I've been a part of at this, uh, at this outlet in some form or another. Uh, and this one not as busy. I mean, I guess the last deadline day one year ago wasn't that crazy for the Flames either. What, they lost Brad Richardson on waivers and, and acquired Ryan Carpenter. That was kind of the, the, the extent of their deadline day last year. But they had also acquired Cali Yarncroke yes. and Tyler Toffoli in the weeks and months leading up to it, so it didn't feel quite like they needed to do anything significant. As for this time around... I think a lot of people are happy the Flames didn't go out buying. And and I think that is my number one takeaway. I didn't want them to give up draft picks. I didn't think they should give up picks and prospects. And to this point, they have not given up. Well, not to this point. They won't uh, be giving up picks and prospects. Those stay. They have the same amount of organizational prospects and the same amount of picks for the next number of drafts as they did before the trade deadline. And to me, that's the biggest news of deadline 2023 for the Calgary Flames. Yeah, you wondered if at some point the Calgary Flames and Brad Living would dip their toe and look at a player like James Van Riemsdyk, who they'd been rumored to be poking around and rumors of this time of year. There's certainly no shortage of them. You wondered if they would spend some draft capital or perhaps a prospect and take a look at bringing in some external help, particularly on the wings. Well, they kind of did that in a sense in bringing in Nick Ritchie, and it didn't come at the expense of a draft pick. It didn't come at the extense, expense pardon me, of a prospect, and they managed to upgrade their defense by bringing in Troy Stetcher. Again, doesn't cost them anything in terms of futures. It costs them Connor Mackey instead, who hasn't played a game, pardon me, has only played one game since mid-December. So when you look at the overall body of work, it, there, there wasn't a lot done, but I think the way that Brad Living went about addressing a couple things and and I don't want to say dipping a toe into roster changes but doing some minimalist I guess to a degree um, maneuvers and bringing in Nick Ritchie bringing in Troy Stetcher again you're not minusing much from your futures I think all in all it's the exact approach the Calgary Flames needed to take now do we and and listening to uh listening to Brad True Living uh he joined us in uh the prior hour of Flames Talk which will be uh which is available on Apple Spotify Google Amazon and in all your podcast uh podcast platforms I I do wonder um and I have wondered about the idea of selling, selling high, trying to get 
assets for guys who are on the roster right now, but according to the general manager and listening to Tree, you know the, the prices weren't there for some of these guys, whether it was a Zadorov or, or a, you know, you could go down the line, Zadorov, Lindholm. Player uh, X. Player X, player Y, player Z. Those guys, you know, and, and for me all along, I've said if you can get prices commensurate to what were being paid for some other guys, then you have to look at it. But if those prices weren't there, I don't think you necessarily should do it just for the sake of it. I, I, I guess for me, buying and selling for the sake of it was exactly what the Flames needed to avoid doing this deadline. And it feels like they did not go out to make moves just for the sake of making them. They incrementally got better with the moves that they made on this Friday, but I don't feel like they went and made deals just because they felt they had to make them. Well, and I wonder what the market was for dealing a player off the Calgary Flames roster that has term that could fetch you a first. Like, we saw so much activity leading into Friday that I wonder if the market just wasn't there anymore. And just as a quick scan, there were 13 first-round picks that have been moved in one deal or another. That's not necessarily today or necessarily yesterday, but in the grand scheme of things, 13 of 32 first-rounders have already been moved at least once, if not a couple of times. That's a spent market right there. If you're looking to flip a guy for a blue chip prospect, a first round pick and a roster player for, for our famed player X, like there weren't that many teams left that had the assets required to meet the asking price of some of these crazy deals that we saw a week ago, four days ago, by the time you got to Friday, there weren't a lot of big names that actually moved. There weren't a lot of players that had draw dropping jaw-dropping trades and acquisitions where you went, this GM really went after something today. That was done. All that legwork, all that hard work, all that conversation was done well in advance of the 1 p.m. Mountain Time deadline. And I think when Brad Living went out and was either asked or approached about certain players, those teams just couldn't pay the assets that it would require to justify moving them at this point. Yeah. And and to not move them, you don't move them just for the sake of, oh, I did something on draft or on free agent free agent day draft day trade deadline day. You don't make a move for the sake of making a move and to Bradge Living's credit, he didn't. Well and and from what I understand, the the market on some of the unrestricted free agents just wasn't there. And and that was um that was kind of the 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 read that I got from a couple league sources and and a couple people that you talked to with the just uh, with the group and I don't think the market for Trevor Lewis was really there. Um, I don't think the market for um, Milan Lucic was really there, and so you're 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 not giving guys away, right? So uh, I don't believe there really was a, a hot market for either guy. Um, it was kind of similar to, what was it, last year? Not last year, the year before, the, the Derek Ryan conversation. You know, we all thought that Ryan could be uh, a guy that they could get something for. They weren't going to the playoffs. They didn't end up dealing him, and the market just didn't really exist for Derek Ryan at trade deadline 2021. So... I, it was kind of similar with, with some of the unrestricted free agents this year. Um, and, yes, could they have gotten lots for Elias Lindholm? Of course they could. Should they have traded Elias Lindholm? In my opinion, no, they shouldn't have. And I said that, go listen to Flames Talk post game from before the deadline. I've been saying that I don't think Backlund or Lindholm should have been guys that, that get dealt um, unless it's going to be something so crazy that you just had no choice. But, um, you know, some of the other names – 
if if you're not getting sky high value on Toffoli or Hannafin or Zadorov, then I'm all I'm all good with them not making that move. I'm all good with them standing pat and and especially if that still means that they're not going out and and spending assets to bring in players for right now. Well, and just to touch on that unrestricted free agent market a little bit, take a look at uh, the Philadelphia Flyers and James Van Riemsdyk, for example, where, yeah, it looked at for maybe a moment that they had a deal in place with the Detroit Red Wings that, for whatever reason, that fell through. But the Philadelphia Flyers should have been a team that moved a player like James Van Riemsdyk, who is on an expiring contract, who still can play, you know, in a middle six role or a second line role, can add some scoring punch, can add some size, can get in the way of goaltenders, and he doesn't move. I think to a degree that tells you a little bit about what the unrestricted free agent market was. And again, give credit to a lot of the GMs around the league because a lot of them did all their heavy lifting, all their legwork well in advance of the Friday deadline. And I think we saw a little bit of that trickle down in terms of the moves we saw today or didn't see today. Yeah, uh, let's uh, let's read some texts uh, this hour. We uh, hope to hear from Nick Ritchie, one of the newest members of the Calgary Flames. Uh, on the prior hour of Flames Talk, we heard from Brad Truliving, the general manager. We heard from Dryden Hunt, uh, new Flames forward, and Troy Stetcher, new Flames defenseman. That's available wherever you get your podcasts. I uh, would love to uh, love it if you went and checked out that hour of Flames Talk as well. We'll also uh, make sure that we bonus up and uh, get all the into. Ind- interviews with the new players and the GM individually for you in bite-sized form for you. Let's get to the text line for those of us, uh, those of you rather, listening live at 960-960. This says, I always liked Brett Ritchie. Maybe he'll get to play more in Arizona. I would imagine that he would get a chance to play more in Arizona. Uh, Like Stetcher played 61 games with him this year. Uh, Nick Ritchie's played 58 games for him this year. So I would imagine that Brett Ritchie and Connor Mackey go in and get an opportunity to play a whole lot more than they were playing on this team. That That would be the guess. It's actually kind of interesting. They uh, they lose Valamaki on waivers, yep. and it was between him and Mackey as to which guy they didn't want to lose on waivers. They put Valamaki on waivers. He gets claimed, and then, what, six months later? Has it been that long? Five October? months later. Yeah, so five yeah. months later. Five months later, Mackey gets uh, dealt there as well. So both guys go full circle. Now, Valamaki has his contract extension. He will be a Coyote next year. Uh, Somebody texting about Connor Mackey's situation. He is technically a restricted free agent at the end of the year as it stands right now. But because there were uh, milestone markers that he needed to hit to be a uh, to 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 remain restricted and not qualify for Group Six unrestricted. He's not going to make him. So as soon as the season comes to an end, he will become unrestricted. That's a guarantee. He will be an unrestricted free agent at the end of the year. But yes, on Cap Friendly and and some of the other sites, he will be shown as a restricted free agent when season comes to an end that will uh, get moved to unrestricted free agency and and we'll see he's got an opportunity much like Stetcher and Richie on an expiring contract come to Calgary looking to prove themselves and and looking to play with a bit of chip on their shoulders uh, opportunity for Mackey and, and Brett Richie to do the same and you know I'm 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 rooting for both of them we've made a lot about how um, I'm a big fan of Brett Richie and and I like Connor Mackey the guy like he's just such a easygoing Really, really nice young man who has worked his tail off, 
barely played this year, tried to be as good a teammate, as good a practice player as he possibly can. He is not always, very often, made good use of his NHL time. He struggled when he's gotten in. I think part of that is the difficult circumstance that goes along with it. I think part of it is, is you know what, it, it can be difficult to make the most of your opportunities when you're up in your head and all that type of stuff. I, I think there's lots that goes into it. So I'm, I'm just hoping that he can uh, he can get things back on track for himself and, and get some regular playing time, which more than anything yes. else is what the guy needs here. That's very important. He's 26 and he's logged 19 games in his NHL career. He's been practiced and skated and worked and this is going to be a fresh start, a new opportunity, much like you mentioned, Yusuf Alamaki got in Arizona and this is going to serve potentially as a 20-ish game audition to see where Connor Mackey is in terms of being an NHL defenseman. And he's moving to an organization that's not nearly as deep on the blue line. So he's chances are he's going to get a chance to play regularly. It's going to be an audition situation where the Arizona Coyotes are going to get an up-close and personal look. I like to call it a look under the hood before, you know, having to purchase the automobile, if you will. He's going to get ample opportunity, I would suspect, on that blue line and it's really going to be an opportunity where the Arizona Coyotes can get a long look at him in, in probably more significant minutes than you'd see in Calgary. But if you're an, an NHL team looking to fill a role maybe next season, whether you're a rebuilding team or you just think you might need a spot where you can get a left-shot defenseman who's mobile, who can move the puck, and maybe he gains a little bit more confidence, it's a showcase for him in front of Arizona, but it's still an opportunity for himself to showcase himself to the other 30 teams in the league as well. So you wish Connor Mackey the best of luck, and you hope he can make good on that opportunity. Uh, this reads, hey, guys, I think Stetcher could be a good piece for them. He adds defensive depth with Stone out. Mackey wasn't good enough to get in. Stetcher's experienced and can push Gilbert to seven. Also, Stetcher style-wise is more like Shillington can carry the puck out of the zone with speed. He's also a right shot, which is more rare and allows the Flames to put Zadorov on the left side for good. Some positives for sure, and it definitely gives you the opportunity to go lefty righty um than you had with with the situation right now Zadorov's been yep. playing with Gilbert who's a lefty Gilbert's been on the right this does uh, allow them to go lefty righty on their third pair well and it's funny the way the Calgary Flames defense is structured because you'd have a righty righty pair whether it's Rasmus and Mackenzie Weger or Tanev and Weger and then you'd have Zadorov and Gilbert lefty lefty so now you get back to, at least in one pair, a little bit more natural lefty-righty combination. And that's not to say that Gilbert's going to be out completely, but I think you'll see Troy Stetcher get the opportunity as well. And I still think I still think going and signing Mackey was the right call. Yep. Um, and, he was dynamite in training camp. And look, Mackey, it's, it's been a really rough road for him when you take a look at the circumstances so he was signed like what two weeks a week into covid he was signed he came and got an opportunity to in those Vancouver skate games. with the uh well he, remember he skated with the team in in the return to play yes he was, he was part of that that training camp didn't play in the bubble then during the 56 game season yeah he got some games in near the end uh then he he's been really good in the american league uh this year was just a uh circumstantially it sucked because they had a six it was very clear who their six was and it's tough to get in and perform the way you want i don't even i don't even think what we saw from Mackey was a reflection of who he is as a player as much as 
a reflection of the tough circumstances. Didn't really ever get an opportunity to get traction. And part of that is on him, of course, because, you know, you know as we always say, you got to make the best of your opportunities. We're all told that. you got to be ready for that opportunity. But I think it's a whole lot easier said than done when – your head coach is extremely detail-oriented, and because he's so relentless on those details, I would imagine trying to put myself in Connor skates that you go in there and you get in for the first time in a month, and you're so excited but you don't want to make a mistake, and you're worried that if you make a mistake that that might get you stapled to the bench because details are so important. I think I just think circumstantially it's been a rough ride for Mackey. So I, I think he's still a uh, an intriguing prospect. And I think that he's a guy that with some playing time in Arizona, um, I think he's got an opportunity to show kind of like what Yuso's done, that you know, there's still a lot there and there's there's still something there. It just wasn't going to happen in, with, with the Flames. And he certainly was going to leave as an unrestricted free agent. I think he could pretty much have taken that to the bank. You can shred this analogy if you want, but to me it was almost like asking a pinch hitter to come in and hit a double after not playing in 30 games and getting no batting practice. Like, it's a tough situation to come in almost cold. And, yes, you're practicing and you're doing morning skates and whatnot, but those aren't game situations. So you're asked to come in under a demanding coach whose attention to detail is maybe the toughest in the league amongst bench bosses. And it's tough to come in and, and, you know, to steal another baseball analogy, pitch a perfect game and gain some momentum and get traction under those circumstances. So you hope with a little bit more runway perhaps in Arizona he can he can rediscover his game and put himself in a good position heading into the summer. Uh, a few more texts at 960-960. I, I don't think we're going to hear from Nick Ritchie after all. Uh, he's uh, apparently uh, he's got a little bit or a lot of um, – a lot of things to take care of before he gets it. Got a pack. I just assumed it would just be airport. a suitcase, brother swap, drop the keys somewhere, toss them out the plane window. Away He's, you go. There's apparently uh, they. He was going to try, but it just it's too hectic. So we're, it sounds like our first chance to chat with Nick will be when he gets to Calgary, uh, which could be we could be able to chat with him Saturday uh, for morning skate when the Flames take on the Minnesota Wild. Uh, some other texts at nine sixty nine sixty. Murray says the Flames didn't move an inch or a centimeter to day and that was the right move given where they are in the standings and where they hope to be next year <laughs> was that a shout out to the metric imperial yes i believe it i love it was. i love it last hour um i do i do think they got better though like i do think stetcher with his experience yep. you know we're talking about a guy with lots of nhl experience he's got 420 nhl games under his belt i think getting stetcher in and giving them a little bit more NHL depth and probably giving them an everyday NHL blue liner on their third pair, I think they got better there. I don't know if they took any big steps at forward, essentially a wash at forward. You know, Nick Ritchie, I believe, has got a higher ceiling than Brett Ritchie does, but I think Brett Ritchie has shown that he's a more consistent guy and is better suited for the role that he's asked to play. Um, So I think you're a wash it forward. But on the blue line where we all said and felt like there needed to be a little bit more depth, they got that. They got a little incrementally better, and they didn't have to give up picks or prospects to do it. And that's where we'll disagree because I think they did get better at forward. Fair enough. There's no debating that they got better on the blue line. Here's the way I look at it. The Calgary Flames moved two guys that have been jumped on the depth chart. Clearly, Gilbert jumped Mackey in the depth chart, and now you're swapping Mackey with Stetcher, who's going to play some games. Mackey wasn't going to play some games. And you move out Brett Ritchie, who had been jumped by Walker Dewar up the depth chart. So you move Brett Ritchie out for Nick Ritchie, 
and Nick Ritchie is going to play some games. We don't know where, we don't know in what capacity. So by that extension, to me, the Flames got better on both the blue line and up front. I just don't necessarily, I haven't been able to piece together exactly what the Flames lines look like with Nick Ritchie in, and it wouldn't surprise me if he gets some time to adjust and some time to figure that out. But I want to know the over-under on how many times we call Nick Brett in the next 48 hours. I'm going to do my best not to, which means I will, um, yeah. I'm we haven't gonna... done it on air. I just know me. I feel like I'm going to let it slip once or twice. Oh, I I guarantee you I will, probably to his face, uh, because I am dumb. Um, <laughs> but you're handsome. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, he's a left shot, which is yes. intriguing. But so play both sides. He can. I'm just trying to think about because I think that I think the top three lines should be set. So do you put him in? Do you move? Well, does he does come that, in at the expense of Lucic? Does he does come in at the expense of Walker Dewar? Dewar? I don't he can't know. play down the middle, so you're going to have Trevor Lewis there. I, I think, think Trevor Lewis is in yep. at all times because he can As he play should all be. three positions, and he's big for you on the penalty kill. So do you put Richie, Richie in on the left side of that line? Uh, and and Lucic comes out. I thought Dewar had for the first time had a, a rougher game against Toronto. That whole line struggled at times against the Maple Leafs. So so maybe that precipitates one of Dewar or Lucic coming out for a game and, and getting Richie his opportunity. Um, do you just rotate through the three of them? I think you could easily do that. Absolutely. Yeah. Because Richie gives you your right winger if Dewar's out and Richie gives you your left winger if Lucic is out. So you put yourself in a position where you have a little bit of flexibility that way. I think it's uh, competition's never a bad thing. And the Calgary Flames have more competition today on that fourth line than they did yesterday. Uh, Parsons writes, I'm happy they didn't get rid of a major piece like Toffoli. Uh, took forever, forever to find a right wing, right shot who can score. They don't grow on trees. They need, we need patience with this team and to make tweaks in the offseason where there are more options in trading partners. What do you make of Phillips not getting moved? Was there no interest? I don't think there was much of a market on Matthew Phillips. To be well, and even what are you returning? He's probably more valuable to the group with the Wranglers right now as they well, make exactly. an AHL championship push. One hundred percent. And I don't know why. I don't. I don't really think there is much of a market there. Honestly, he's played three NHL games and uh, AHL trades. The NHL trade deadline don't usually happen a lot. Do I think that? He's going to be back with the Flames organization next year. I'm uncertain. Um, and I think there's a good chance that Matthew might look to sign elsewhere because why wouldn't he? More opportunity. Um, there might be more. Other, there's probably a good chance there is more opportunity with another, um, with another organization, right? But for the time being, there's a ton of value in keeping him on that Wranglers team. And I don't think that... If there even was a market, I don't think you were getting much for Matthew Phillips. I think that sometimes there's a threshold, right, of you know trading something just to get an asset or what it could be worth to keep a player on your team. And I don't even if if there was a market at all for Matthew Phillips, uh, I don't know why at this point if you're an NHL team you wouldn't just wait till the off season. I get that everything should be more about the NHL, and in a sense, this might be a roundabout way of saying that it'll help the NHL team. But to me, Matthew Phillips is more valuable to the Wranglers than the asset the Calgary Flames could return in getting him in a trade in just that he's a leader on the Wranglers, both offensively and in the room. And if you're going on a deep push, if you want a championship run with the Wranglers, suddenly Cole Schwint, Connor Zary, uh, J Jeremy Poirier, Dustin Wolf, 
all these guys now have championship experience. We've heard Daryl Sutter talk about winning championships at different level repeatedly throughout his time here in Calgary. Having Matthew Phillips help anchor an AHL champ, a Calder Cup run is yep. beneficial not just to the individual but to the collective prospects playing in the AHL right now. All right, we are underway this hour on a Flames Talk. Aaron Vickers of Daily Hive, and my name is Pat Steinberg, and uh, it is your deadline day edition of Flames Talk and our deadline day coverage 2023 brought to you by our friends at Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar using the same secret recipe since 1975. Dine in at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. Takeout or delivery at 403-248-3344. Hey, it's Haley Salvian from The Athletic. For a look at the latest on your Calgary Flames and NHL news, go click and subscribe to the Hockey Central 960 podcast. While you're there, please rate and review the show. Flames Talk is on the air and streaming on the Sportsnet mobile app. Sportsnet 960 The Fan, Calgary. All right, time for a deadline day edition of your Daily Flames Roundtable brought to you by Mercedes-Benz Country Hills. Upgrade your current Mercedes-Benz to a 2022 model with a 2% additional reduction. Drive over to Mercedes-Benz Country Hills minutes from the Calgary Airport. It's Pat Steinberg and Aaron Vickers along with you. And now the voice of the Calgary Flames, Derek Wills, joins us to break down deadline day on the roundtable. Gents, uh, two deals made by the Flames, one with Arizona that brings in Nick Ritchie and Troy. Stetcher for Brett Ritchie and Connor Mackey and the other uh, sees Redeem Zahorna traded to Toronto in exchange for forward Dryden Hunt so three new faces in three faces out from the Flames organization on a uh, relatively quiet trade deadline day for the Flames so gents they don't buy in a big way they don't sell in a big way it's our uh, overall feel on the 2023 trade deadline for the Calgary Flames I actually think it was a tiny little bit of business for Brad Treloving and the management group. I actually think the Flames are a little bit better today than they were yesterday because they moved three players out who I don't believe had a short-term or long-term future with the team. I'll start with Ridium Zahorna. You know, he was an interesting waiver pickup from the Penguins at the start of the year, but never really gained any footing here. Uh, played a fairly important role for the Wranglers, but obviously they're your second priority, with the Flames being your first priority. And I'm not sure how many guys would have had to be injured in order for him to get recalled and, and put in the lineup. So, uh, again, I don't think he was part of your short-term or long-term plans. With Brett Ritchie, I don't think he's been the same since he got in a fight with Mark Borowiecki earlier this year. Uh, he took a big punch in that uh, fight and missed some time and hasn't played with as much edge, at least in my opinion, since then. And a guy who was out of the lineup and waiting for an opportunity that may have never come. And I think the same can be said for Connor Mackey. Uh, for whatever reason, it just didn't work. Uh, I'm not sure the coach had a lot of faith in him. And uh, it goes both ways. I'm not sure that Connor Mackey did enough to, to earn Daryl Sutter's faith. So I'm actually really happy for both Brett and Connor that they're getting a fresh start. And, you know, Connor is not a young guy. He's 26, but inexperienced at the NHL level. And if there's a place where you can uh, get some experience uh, in the NHL, it's uh, with the Coyotes, as we've seen with Yusuf Alamaki getting a fresh start. And he's had a pretty good year. So, you know, those three guys, uh, Probably weren't going to be back next season and uh, might not have played again this season. And then you bring in a guy in Dryden Hunt, who the Flames uh, are familiar with because uh, they spent quite a bit of time uh, scouting his games at the WHL level and a bit of a reclamation project. So 
I guess it's two teams uh, trying to uh, bring in guys who can potentially be better for them than they were for their former teams. Uh, so we'll see with him. It uh, sounds like he's going to start with the Wranglers. And then you get Nick Ritchie and Troy Stetcher. And both of these guys could play when the Flames take to the ice for what I think is their most important game so far this season versus the Wild at Scotiabank Saddledome on Saturday night. I'm anxious to see if Nick Ritchie is in the lineup. Because if he is, I wonder who comes out. I think it's obvious, but that guy would be Milan Lucic, wouldn't it? And watching Brad Trelevin's media availability today, uh, apparently Milan Lucic was watching as well, which I found quite interesting. But Nick Ritchie is uh, a big body, former 10th overall pick of the Ducks. Uh, he's got some skill. He's had uh, a decent year. He's got a higher ceiling offensively than uh, his little brother or older brother Brett does. And I do wonder if he could potentially help the Flames' second power play. Here's a number. I did some digging on Nick Ritchie. Um, isn't a big-time point producer. I think he's at 0 0.34 or 0 0.36 points per game this season. But he does have 10 power play points, guys, which would rank 6th on the Flames. And if you can have a guy in your fourth line who also gets some special teams time, I think that's an added bonus. So I do wonder if they'll slot Nick Ritchie on the left side of that fourth line. We'll have to wait and see. As for Troy Stetcher... I think it's obvious the Flames have missed the pace that Oliver Shillington can play with. And in Troy Stitcher, you get a veteran player who plays with pace, who's a right-shot defenseman, who could play with either uh, Nikita Zadorov or Dennis Gilbert. So uh, I would be surprised if he wasn't in the lineup tomorrow night, assuming he can get into town in time. So I actually think they're a little bit better team, a little bit better team, not a lot better team, but a little bit better team today than they were yesterday. And we're in, you're in the position the Flames are in. Uh, and you didn't really have to give anything up to get better. I think that's some good work by Brad Loving. Yeah, I think it's an incremental difference in the positive column for the Calgary Flames. You look at what they brought in today in terms of Nick Ritchie and Troy Stetcher and who they replaced with Brett Ritchie and Connor Mackey. And you just look, and the two guys going out are guys that got jumped up in the depth chart, whether it be by Dennis Gilbert in the case of Mackey or Walker Dewar in the case of Ritchie. And you're bringing in guys that have a real opportunity to play. And I'm like you, Wilsey. I think Troy Stetcher is going to be a guy that hops right into the lineup. Right shot defenseman. So it gives you the uh, lefty-righty on the bottom pair there. And it, he's a guy that you can move in and out and around a little bit. Like you said, he plays with pace. It's something that's been lacking from the Calgary Flames a little bit on the blue line. Uh, with the absence of Oliver Shillington, as Bradshaw Living said both to the media and to Pat Steinberg here. Uh, not too long ago, and then you look at Nick Ritchie. To me, he's an upgrade over his brother. Um, I don't know. He, by technical terms, he's little brother, but he's also six foot three and two hundred and thirty-five pounds. <laughs> so I don't think I'll be walking up to him and calling him little brother anytime soon. But again, you mentioned the points pace. He's been more productive historically throughout his career. Been more productive to uh, this point this season. Nick Ritchie and Troy Stetcher, to me, are guys that are going to play in the Calgary Flames lineup. And I'm not so certain I'd be saying that about Connor Mackey or Brett Ritchie. So for that fact, I think it's a it's an increase. It's a plus for the Calgary Flames. And I guess time will tell to see what kind of bonus it is. Yeah, I, I think incremental is a good word. I think they got incrementally better. I think the biggest win of the day is the Flames did not buy. Uh, I, I was very, very much against them buying and uh, listening to Brad Living on Friday. So is he. They were not interested in short-term help. Uh, and so I think that that is the biggest win of the day. Even if they didn't make these other two deals, the fact that they uh, still have the same amount of draft picks as they did prior to the deadline, the same amount 
amount of young organizational prospects they did before the deadline. That, to me, is the biggest win. I think Stetcher's the guy that, that, that moves the needle the most uh, because that was the area that this team was lacking the most in was they needed a little bit more depth on defense. And, and Stetcher, I think, is, is well-slotted in a 5-6 role. I, I think that he's, uh, he's, he's a guy that can come in and give you 14 minutes a night on a third pair. And, and he can do so, as you mentioned, Derek, with Dennis Gilbert or Nikita Zadorov. If, if he's with Zadorov, I'd be really interested to see. Uh, it's a pretty mobile-looking defense pair. Mm-hmm. You know, I, 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 I asked Brad um, in the prior hour, which is up for you wherever you get your podcast, about the idea of, of selling, and, and not even selling, but moving out a roster player, and, and said the prices just weren't there yeah. and the, the return wasn't wasn't enough to be able to do that, and I'm fine with that. You know, I don't know. I don't know what the prices were. I don't know uh, what their what their threshold was, or what their uh, drop dead was, or whatever. But the only way that I felt like going out and moving out a roster player made sense was if it was going to truly, truly help you in the long term, and it was going to be one of those moves, like some of the other moves that we've seen, where it's like, holy, you got that? You got what for that player? And if that wasn't there, then yeah, I was I was on board with them standing pat in that regard. So I think the fact they did stand pat for the most part, that you can even say they got incrementally better is a small win at a trade deadline, which just wasn't really going to be a uh, a big day on the calendar for the Calgary Flames. They just they weren't in a position. They haven't earned an addition. They haven't earned giving up assets to bring in players for right now like they did last year. And so if they could make themselves a little bit better without having to give up a whole lot, then you're probably pretty happy with that if you're the Flames. I don't think any of the players brought in today are the difference between them making or missing the playoffs. The uphill climb remains extremely daunting still, but, yeah, they got incrementally better, and you can definitely say that uh, with a straight face. Yeah, and at times I think their defense has had a tough time making plays and getting the puck out of the defensive zone, and I think Troy Stetri can help with that and maybe be a bit of a security blanket for Nikita Zadorov, who I thought was playing at a really high level prior to the nine-day break, but has been uh, a little all over the place since the nine-day break. And, you know, he does like to get involved offensively. And and I think uh, the Flames like it when he does that at the right time. But uh, if he decides to do that, then I think Stetcher's a guy who can uh, have his back in that situation. And, you know, the power play has been a bit of an Achilles heel for this team this season. And I don't know if Nick Ritchie will get power play time, but he got plenty of it with the Coyotes and was pretty productive. So I wouldn't be surprised with uh, his big body if he was maybe a, a net front guy for the Flames on their second power play. So we'll have to wait and see. And Pat, I was uh, listening to uh, Flames Talk post game as I always do on my way home on Thursday night, mm-hmm. and you made a, a really interesting point. So one of the things that you were saying leading up to today's 1 p.m. deadline was that if the Flames were going to move out uh, a core piece who has one year left on their contract after this season... Uh, you would be open to doing it because the prices have been so bonkers, right? Yeah. So the, the the way you spun it last night, I found it really interesting because you basically said, listen, if if someone is willing to overpay for one of those players with picks and prospects that you can then turn around during the offseason when the prices are lower and quote-unquote replace that player with, 
that makes some sense. That's selling high and buying low, right? I hadn't yeah. really thought of it that way. But the way the way I looked at it is the Flames are still in a window to win. And, and Brad Treleving said as much today. He thinks this is a good team that has underperformed. And I'm right there with him. I, I would agree 100%. So they're going to go into next season believing they're still a team that can compete. So you can't move a bunch of those guys out, those core pieces out, and expect to still be in that position. And with what you've committed to your roster moving forward, the money and the long-term deals, this isn't a team that's in a position to rebuild or even significantly retool. So it would have to be those types of deals that the Flames made today where you, you know, traded a core piece, but you got stuff back that would help you bring another core piece in during the offseason because they can't use those picks and then wait three, four, five years and hope they develop into NHL players because they're going to be in a window again next season. So I actually think that he did a really good job given the circumstances today. And, you know, he's always said from day one, takes his cues from the team. And uh, quite frankly, uh, the team put him yep. in a position where he couldn't do much more than he did today. Yep. Uh, Daily Flames Roundtable. He's Derek Wills. He's Aaron Vickers. My name is Pat Steinberg. Um, so of the players that, that they have brought in and of the three new faces that are here, who's they're all on expiring deals. Who's the guy that has the potential to make the biggest impact? I think Troy Stetcher, just to give the Flames some stability on that third defense pairing. Uh, Dennis Gilbert, for the most part, I think has done a really good job as the number six guy and as Nikita Zadorov's partner. I've seen a little less edge in his game in the last week or so. So he's a different player than Troy Stetcher, but... Uh, skating the puck out of the defensive zone and, and getting headed in the right direction. And the Flames have spent a lot of time in the offensive zone this season. That hasn't been an issue for them. But uh, just giving them some experience back there. He's played almost 500 games in the league and has been on some decent teams and has been around. So uh, I think he's going to be a good fit for this group. And again, without Oliver Shillington, uh, they've lacked a little bit of mobility back there. So he gives them that. Nick Ritchie is a guy who, at, at one point in time in his career as a 10th overall pick, uh, certainly had top six potential and has played at a pretty high level at times, but uh, hasn't been incredibly consistent during his career. I still think there's some skill there. There are some tools there, and there's definitely some size there. So you know, I could see him sliding into a fourth-line role, but do you guys see him replacing any of the top nine left-wingers, Dylan Dubé, uh, Jacob Pelche, Andrew Majapani, I don't. I mean, if there's an injury, he could play an increased role. But, you know, right now, if, if he's going to be in, I think it's probably going to be in on the fourth line. So uh, maybe tougher to make an impact in that spot. Yeah, for me, I think I'm going to have to agree with you and say Troy Stetcher just because uh, I don't see where Nick Ritchie might fit in, in a top nine situation. So that means he's, for lack of a better term, going to be relegated to fourth line duty, at least to start and knock wood that there's not an injury. Whereas Troy Stetcher has the ability to play 12 or 14 minutes, um, provide some puck moving ability, uh, be able to play with some pace on the back end, help Calgary move pucks from one zone to the other. Um, Nick Ritchie to me is a bit of an enigma and there's a reason he's on his fourth organization in the past three years, whether or not he's able to find his game and play with a bit more consistency and elevate himself up. The lineup is yet to be seen. Again, we haven't seen him skate a single shift with the Calgary Flames. Then again, we haven't seen Troy Stetcher, but I think the circumstance around Stetcher gives him the advantage in this question. Yeah, I, it, I'll, I'll go unanimous. I, I think that Stetcher steps in right away and is an everydayer. 
Um, and whether that means it's Gilbert who becomes the seven, which I would imagine, or, or they go another direction, I, I think that's the way they would go. I think Stetcher's played every game in the NHL this year, and I, I know it's on an Arizona Coyotes team that does not have as deep a blue line as other teams do, but he's still been an everyday NHLer this year. He's got 420 NHL games under his belt. You mentioned the, the, the pace that he plays with. One of his, his number one assets is his skating, and so I think that's important, and you know, him and Zadorov on a pair together. I think there's some real skating um, upside on that pair. So I, I think it's it's Stetcher because I think he comes in and gives him a little bit of a boost with Michael Stone not coming back in the near future. Bradford Living did say they expect him back before the end of the season, but is not coming back right away. Uh, I think Stetcher just gives them a little bit – you're just a little bit more comfortable with your third pairing than you were before. Yeah, I, I do wonder about Milan Lucic and Nick Ritchie. Uh, assuming that's where he would slot in, and that's an assumption on my part, I actually think the Flames have been getting some pretty good minutes from their fourth line of late. Walker Dewar has brought pace to that line. You've got Trevor Lewis, who's kind of a Swiss Army and ice, jack-of-all-trades type of guy who can uh, play all three forward positions and uh, up and down your lineup, uh, at least short-term, and can help your penalty kill. So I don't see him coming out. Um, so I, I guess I just assume that if Nick Ritchie were to play, it would be in Milan Lucic's place. Do, do you guys see it the same way? And do, do you think that's going to happen? I'm not convinced it happens immediately, but I'm not convinced it doesn't either. Well, the, the fact that Ritchie can also play the right uh, makes me wonder if, if Walker Dewar might also be a guy who uh, now is on the bubble for him. And I'm not, yeah. I'm not saying that's what I would do um, because I've liked him. I did think Dewar and that, that line itself really struggled against Toronto on Thursday. But, yeah, I think Dewar, I've, I've been very, very impressed with Walker so far, and, and I think that he deserves the opportunity to stay. But because Richie's got the ability to play both wings, Vicks, I, I wonder if that puts Dewar in a little bit more of a bubble scenario too. Yeah, I wonder if it's well, a little bit of a rotation where you have an instance where – you're playing well and your game is trending the proper way. You stay in and then suddenly you've got a lot of competition between those three on that fourth line with Trevor Lewis anchoring things down the middle. I think it just adds to competition in that fourth line and I'm not necessarily sure uh, Richie displaces one or the other. I think each of them might have the opportunity to displace each other equally. Yeah, and in defense of the fourth line, and I don't have the numbers in front of me, they did seem to be on the ice against... Uh, Mitch yes. Marner and Austin Matthews a little bit too much last night, um, especially with the Flames having last change on home ice. But uh, that's a tough position to be in, whether you're on a first line, second line, third line, or fourth line with the way those guys play the game. But, yeah, you're right, Aaron. You bring up a really good point with your internal competition. Uh, I think Walker Dewar's done a good job. Brad Treleving spoke pretty glowingly about him today, saying that, uh, I forget the exact words that he used, but something along the lines of he's trending uh, in the direction of becoming a, a full-time NHL or, or an everyday player, whatever words that he used. Uh, uh, that was some praise uh, being sent to Walker Dewar's way. And, you know, Milan Lucic is a guy whose contract is up at the end of the season. So uh, the Flames are going to have to make a decision on uh, what their fourth line looks like. And maybe it's a different look fourth line next season. A lot of teams are going to, to fourth lines that don't look like traditional fourth lines that are big and heavy and hard to play against but you know Nick Ritchie's uh, certainly going to add some internal competition to that mix and a uh, good point Pat about him being able to play the left side or the right side and that puts a little pressure on uh, Milan Lucic and Walker Dewar to, to continue to yep. play at a high level and if they don't well you've got another option there. 
Finally, the uh, trade deadline editions of the roundtable are done. We won't do it again until next year. Uh, thank you, Wilsey. And hopefully it's uh, a lot different feel around, around the trade Agreed. deadline next year. <laughs> we'll pray for that. Uh, have a good weekend, everybody. He's uh, Derek Wills. He is Aaron Vickers. My name is Pat Steinberg, and that is your Daily Flames Roundtable, brought to you by Mercedes-Benz Country Hills. Upgrade your current Mercedes-Benz to a 2022 model with a 2% additional reduction. Drive over to Mercedes-Benz Country Hills minutes from the Calgary Airport. As we start to wrap things up this hour on Flames Talk, great stuff on our text line at 960-960. Really appreciate all the input as you know, what we've seen from the Flames so far today uh, and on this trade deadline Friday. But before we finish off this hour, I do have to uh, tell you that I went two for two on best bets on Thursday. Uh, Got the record up to six and three on the week. Post All-Star break, best bets have been humming, baby. You know, they they call them second half backs. Call a second half best bets. Uh, Second half Steinberg? Best bets is not about me. It's about it's about the best bet. It's always about you, buddy. Don't kid yourself. That's a good point. Have you have you uh, spent any time around me? It's always about me. Showtime. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Showtime Steinberg. Showtime Steinberg. Uh, okay, two and zero on Thursday. We hit William Nylander uh, over half a point. I did not think Nylander was very good against the Flames, but he did get his second assist on the game winner. Um, and we also hit Steven Stamkos over two and a half shots. So up to six and three on the week to close it out. I've got two for you on Friday. Um, and not just because that'll guarantee me staying in the, uh, in the black. I, just, <laughs> I only like two today. Put an um, asterisk beside it. I've got Oliver Bjorkstrand of Seattle. I've got him over two and a half shots as the Kraken visit Columbus on Friday. And I've also got Carolina's Andrei Svechnikov over two and a half shots as they take on uh, Arizona. Um, you know, if, if Connor Mackey and Brett Ritchie were in the lineup for Arizona, I might go differently on Svechnikov. But, uh, no, uh, Svechnikov, I don't think those guys are going to play against uh, against uh, Carolina today. So, uh, Svechnikov over two and a half shots. Bjorkstrand over two and a half shots. That'll wrap up the hour, and those are your best bets. Brought to you by Bodog.net. Find your next favorite game at Bodog.net. Hashtag make a play. Free play only. 18 plus. Play responsibly.